keep humming when the song's through, it's like They're living life to a whole different tune And have you ever met those Keep humming when it's on blaze, it's like They figured out what the rest have in the year The second you realize What you have inside It's only just a matter of Like the Eiffel, uncontrollable, let the joy flow through. Ha ha. Giddy over pity, pretty please. Let me see your hands in the air with you. Ask your seat, swarm it up, let go. Shout it out, celebrate when you can't articulate. Just say amazing great. The second you realize what you have inside, it's only just a matter of.
And the world seems to be riddled with debt. You know, our world is just, and the condition, the human condition is just that. It reflects the cost of sin. It reflects the cost of sin that is death, that is decay, and it's it's the condition of the world. The economy of the world is that it, it has to be propped up with something because on its own, it's just, it falls short. So sin placed an expensive debt on mankind in, in very much the same sense as, uh, as inheriting like a property with an outstanding balance on a mortgage or a loan. And every man and woman born is born in a, in a spirit, in spiritual debt, a debt so great that it is impossible for any of us to pay off on our own. Because of the fall of Adam and Eve, death came, and the cost of their sin was inherited by every person born since. Like a person with a mortgage or a loan that they are upside down in, or a loan that's so outstanding, people are born with a sin, a sin debt that they can't afford to pay off. And the interest on the sin debt, if you will notice, was it was just being stacked up with every generation. The sins of the fathers was just being passed on to the next generation and making it more impossible to get out from underneath of it as time went by. But I thank God for interceding on our behalf who, who to pay this expensive debt, God sent his only begotten son, Jesus, as the sacrificial lamb to redeem, to pay for, to purchase the souls of men. And he restored all things. The debt has been paid for in full on the cross. And our salvation today is thanks to God who loved us enough purchase, to purchase us, to restore us back to God himself. This salvation is to us a gift. It is the gift of salvation. It costs you and me nothing. We just have to believe on Jesus Christ. Through faith in him, it says we are saved through faith in Jesus. It's as simple as believing God and taking him at his word, Jesus. Look at these scriptures about debts. Matthew 18, 23 through 35 in the King James says, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account, which would take account of his servants. And when he had began to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. But forasmuch as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. The Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him his, the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants which owed him an hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. 
and he would not cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. And I take your attention again to Luke seven forty through 50 in the King James. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. The one owed him 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hast washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he saith unto her, thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. Matthew 6, 9 through 13. We know this so well. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. Sin was a debt unpaid, until Christ, as the Lamb, hung on the cross to pay this debt in full. It was such a great debt. In Luke 16, 1 through 13, we see that there's more about a de- about debt and about accounting being brought up. It's very, very interesting. It's very interesting how the economy of the kingdom keeps coming into play. It says, and he, Jesus, said also 
unto his disciples, there was a certain rich man, which had a steward, and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And he called him, and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest be no longer steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig. To beg I am ashamed. I am resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him, and said unto the first, How much owest thou unto my Lord? And he said, An hundred measures of oil. And he said unto him, Take thy bill, and sit down quickly, and write fifty. Then said he to another, And how much owest thou? And he said, An hundred measures of wheat. And he said unto him, Take thy bill, and write fourscore. And the Lord commanded the unjust steward, because he had done wisely. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. And I say unto you, Make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when ye fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? Now, no servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, debt and unbelief has a way of discounting this priceless gift of salvation. Debt and unbelief have a way of discrediting that priceless gift that we should hold. It can rob us. The devil through debt and unbelief can rob us from the blessings of our heaven-sent treasures because the devil wants to discredit. He wants to discount your heavenly opportunity in salvation. Through debt and unbelief, the devil wants to rob you of untold riches in glory. It steals from your bank account in heaven. It robs. There is a major wealth of full blessings and untold riches waiting for us who are in Jesus. And that thief wants to steal or rob us of the opportunity to inherit this. He wants to steal the opportunity that's in God's favor, and it belongs to us. Now, he can't take this for himself. He can't reach the treasures of heaven, but he can steal or rob us of the opportunity of us possessing what belongs to us, what should be in our account. So we must view our debts the way God now views them, through Christ. Through Christ, they are paid in full. And what this debt has been replaced with 
is Jesus. The bill, the debt, has been taken away. And it's like the owner of the world's banks. With sin and debt gone, Jesus now lives inside us. And he's the worth. He is the value in us. And he has changed. And that that now reflects something so great. It can, can it even be comprehended by our minds, this kingdom that lives in our hearts. So we appreciate our Lord. We appreciate our Savior, who, who he's our kinsman redeemer. And by faith in him, our value appreciates. Our worth now grows. In Christ, our value has increased exponentially. Not because of us, but because of him who now lives in us. It is Jesus in us who makes us priceless treasures in earthen vessels. Second Corinthians 4, 7. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Matthew twenty five fourteen through 30. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. Unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To every man according to his several abilities, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same, and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained another two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, Thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown. And gathering where thou hadst not strawed. And I was afraid, and I and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Kid and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers. And then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him and give it to him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given. And he that and he shall have abundance. 
but from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The master here took account. And our Lord is going to take account. He will there will be an a great audit. So faith in Christ counts now because it will be taken to account. So here that you know, even thousands of years ago, Abraham's faith counted. Abraham's faith counted. I'm reading from the the New Living Translation, the NLT, Romans 4. It says, Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation. What did he discover about being made right with God? If his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have had something to boast about. But that was not God's way. For the scriptures tell us Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. When people work, their wages are not a gift, but something they have earned. But people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God, who forgives sinners. David also spoke of this when he described the happiness of those who are Declared righteous without working for it. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven. Whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. Now is this blessing only for the Jews? Or is it also for uncircumcised Gentiles? Well, we have been saying that Abraham was counted as righteous by God because of his faith. But how did this happen? Was he counted as righteous only after he was circumcised, or was it before he was circumcised? Clearly, God accepted Abraham before he was circumcised. Circumcision was a sign that Abraham already had faith, and that God had already accepted it declared him to be righteous, even before he was circumcised. So Abraham is the spiritual father of those who have faith but have not been circumcised. They are counted as righteous because of their faith. And Abraham is also the spiritual father of those who have been circumcised, but only if they have the same kind of faith Abraham had before he was circumcised. Clearly, God's promise is give is to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was based not on his obedience to God's law, but on a right relationship with God that comes by faith. If God's promise is only for those who obey the law, then faith is not necessary, and the promise is pointless. For the law always brings punishment on those who try to obey it. The only way to avoid breaking the law is to have no law to break. So the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift. And we are all certain to receive it 
whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham's. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. That is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was, count, it was recorded for our benefit, too, assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him the one who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. He was handed over to die because of our sins, and he was raised to life to make us right with God. Verse 6 says, And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. God is Many things. He's an accountant of faith. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit, too, assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. See, we are assured that God will count our faith even as he counted Abraham's faith. And the scripture said there was no reason for Abraham to hope. He was already 100 years old. But he hoped anyway. He believed anyway. He lived and died a stranger, always traveling around and, and without an address to, to, to settle down permanently. But he had a promise God would give him one day. He didn't have a multitude of, of, you know, thousands of grandkids and nations around him that he, he, when he passed, he didn't have the promise in his possession, but he had the hope that he never let go of. Like a family traveling in an RV or a motorhome that's always on the road, Abraham was believing that one day God would give him his mansion his permanent address. But he lived hoping and having faith. Even though Abraham was hopping around, he was hoping around. Like the Israels being led around in the wilderness, Abraham was following God, following him around, 
and everywhere his feet went. When God told Abraham in Genesis 12:1, he said, Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Abraham, get thee out of thy country, and go from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. He was sent off to travel. Abraham was instructed to hit the road until I tell you to stop. Just as he would settle down, God would move him, if you notice. You follow his, his, his story in Genesis, you'll see he'd start to settle in and something would happen and God would move him. He would always seem to be just almost home. Just when you seem to think you've made it, God moves you out of your comfort zone. He's growing and stretching your faith and bringing you closer and closer. Perpetual drawing is deliverance. We are strangers here. This, this earth is not our home, but God is moving us. He's moving us, stretching us, getting us ready, delivering us. And that place of trust where we can listen and follow him, that is, that is right standing with God. That complete sold-out trust in the Lord Jesus. That's right standing with God. Faith in Jesus. Believing and trusting God. Hearing the shepherd's voice calling you from, from the pasture to pasture to pasture, leading you to, to fertile ground. By following God's word, Abraham was always moved out of those barren fields and into fields of plenty where there was provision, where there was safety, favor, and room to grow. See, God doesn't want you in stagnant, crowded land. He wants you in fluid, living land, place where there's room to grow. Each time God called Abraham, he called him out of his comfort zone. All that time he was growing. All that time God was increasing Abraham. And Abraham's faith in God, trusting God, was growing with it. Matthew nineteen sixteen through 30. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he, Jesus, said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, which, Jesus said, thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man said, saith unto him, all these things have I kept from my youth up, what lack I? Jesus saith, said unto him, if thou wilt be perfect, Go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. 
And again, I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold, and shall inherit eternal, everlasting life. But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Now this unnamed man is known as a rich man, because Scripture says he had possessions. And it was almost like a like he was this hungry entrepreneur who had, who, who had so far accomplished so many things. And he seemed to want to reach his highest potential when he asked how to get eternal life. He wanted more. And there's nothing wrong with wanting eternal life. There's nothing wrong with wanting more of God's best for us. When Jesus told this rich man how to be even wealthier, how to live forever, he didn't receive the sound instruction. He was apparent, it was apparently too hard for him. But if he didn't want to hear it, he shouldn't have asked. He was given the word of God, and he was told the truth. Just like Abraham. But like Abraham, he should have believed. And it would have been counted. That faith would have been counted. If this man had faith like Abraham, it would have been counted to him as righteousness or right standing with God. But he doubted. He disbelieved. In a critical moment, no less. Because of all the things he had possession, they were great, but they weren't everlasting life. It wasn't everlasting life. He, he was about to get the one thing people can't pay for in this world today is to live forever. But he doubted. And because of that, the devil, at a critical point, critical moment, stole the fortune from this man. And he walked away sad. His worth and his value depreciated in that instant that he did not believe. The devil influenced him not to respond to Jesus with faith as an act of his own will, and it cost him. His sadness reflects his true worth like a spiritual stock market crash in his soul. This unnamed man wavered at this moment, but had he believed like Abraham and not wavered, it would have counted, and his stocks in heaven would have gone up in value. He would have had treasures he couldn't have counted. He should have seen the investment opportunity that was right in front of him and bought up stocks in heaven, but he wavered. Romans 4, 20 through 22, 
Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. Now, what does Jesus mean when he said the first shall be last and the last first? Because when this rich man valued his own earthly wealth more than the spiritual investment of eternal life Jesus offered him, and he doubted, it cost him on the grandest scale. He went from being the first to the last. Spent so much time, effort, investment to get to the top of the financial heap. And he walked away sad because he couldn't even afford one thing. Unbelief discredits. It discounts the inner man's worth, the value where it truly counts. Lord, make us ready. Make us aware of our own heavenly faith account. Make us to be wise stewards of our faith that is the currency of heaven and the economy of tried in the furnace. Revelation 3, 13-22 He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eyesalve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am sat down, sat down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Faith counts. God is taking account, and he will open the books soon. Revelation twenty twelve says, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. God is going to take it. He's the great accountant who will open the books and take account. And in that moment, our faith will count. 
In these moments now, our faith is counted. This right here and now is where our faith counts. Whether it's like Abraham being told by God to move to a place that he'll show him, or a rich believer who God tells to give all he has, sell it, and give to the poor. Faith counts. And your stock in heaven, your account in heaven, your treasures in heaven, reflect it. Don't let the devil steal your opportunity. You're in doubt and unbelief. See, today in this world right now, we are at that point, right now, where our faith is being tested like never before. Doubt and unbelief are marching through the streets and through the hearts of men and women. Ransacking, destroying, testing you, getting in your face, pressuring you, pushing you to make a stand. Now that bank of truth is being drawn from who are trying to withdraw from the bank of truth. They're searching for truth. And it seems that there is a truth shortage in this world worse than any coin shortage. People are looking around them. They don't know what to believe anymore. They don't know where to find truth anymore. It is now that our faith will count. God's favor and increase is manifest in his believers. The truth is manifest in those who believe Jesus is Lord. Those who walk according to the scripture. Those who believe on him as the scripture has said. The value of the church today is in Christ. And our faith in him is also is being tested and is being counted. So I encourage you this morning, be aware, be mindful that your faith is being counted. Don't let the devil sneak up and try to in there in unbelief so he can cause you to a stock market crash on the spiritual. You have such worth because of Jesus. Jesus Christ in you is a priceless earthen treasure that this world needs to draw from. The world is looking for truth. Amen, brothers and sisters. I want to thank you for being with me this morning. Headline, God is so good. He is so good. He is so good. Put him at his word and see what he will do. He's not a liar. He's not a man that he should lie. Abraham said it, and and it's said all through the Bible that God can do what he said he will do. Amen. That's the word. I love you. God loves you. Lord, take this word this morning that you've given us and increase our faith. Increase our faith. Make our make our Strengthen you, Lord, firm in this testing time, Lord God, that that people around us would somehow through us see you. See you, Lord Jesus, the truth that you resurrect, that you clean, that you redeem, that you, you Lord God, deliver 
from impossible circumstances, Lord God, that you saved to the uttermost. Lord, use your church, Lord God. In these trying times, Lord God, be lifted up high so that all could see Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Tedline. We'll see you tomorrow in Jesus' name. Receive nothing